Okay, I'm uh, standing in uh, one of the uh, sites of the Southridge Seaport Museum and uh, I'd like to uh, introduce you uh, to Laura and Laura will give us a bit of a, an introduction to herself and her role at the museum and then maybe give us a little bit of a description about South Street Seaport Museum which is an incredible resource uh, downtown in, uh, in the good old city of New York on Manhattan. Hello Laura. Hi, well, my name is Laura Norwitz and I'm the Director of Programming and Education at South Street Seaport Museum. The South Street Seaport Museum we're not a maritime museum. We are all about what makes New York, New York. And New York would never have been New York if it wasn't for New York Harbor. New York Harbor was an important resource from the time that the, uh, the Lenape Indians were the people who lived here. And then when the Dutch came to explore, why did the Dutch choose here? Well, because of the harbor. You had this fabulous harbor with uh, that doesn't freeze over in the winter, super for trade. The, the Dutch were of course looking for a shortcut to the Indies, but instead they said, oh, I, this is a great place here. If we had a town here, we could make a lot of money. And they founded a town specifically for the goal of making money. And then the British decided that was a darn good idea, so the British <laughs> took it over. And uh, it's been a place that's all about money ever since. It's about money, it's about trade, it's about the resources that are here, but it's also about resources that are from other places and moving them through here. That is why New York is New York. Because, I mean, what I, use, what I say about the ships that come here is like, what were the ships carrying? The ships were carrying what New York is made of. What's New York made of? Money. And so everything that came through here was about transferring money from one person to another person. So what's a seaport? A seaport, well, think what's an airport? A port is a place where you change from one form of transportation to another. Like, well, the example that I use for people from around here might not mean much to your British audience, but if you're going to Newark Airport, you're not going to Newark Airport. You're probably not even going to Newark. The whole point is to get off of one transportation and get onto another. And so all of the ships that were coming here to South Street Seaport, they were unloading from an ocean-going vessel onto a coastal schooner or onto a wagon or onto rail and products that were coming in by schooner or rail or wagon and getting offloaded onto ocean-going vessels, every time goods made that, trans that, that, that transfer from one vessel to another, money changed hands. And eventually all the money piled up until it turned into the financial district. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not much. So what you have here at the Seaport District is an ecosystem of trade. So it was about the ships, but it also is about the businesses that supported the ships. You have the warehouses, you have the insurance agents, you have the supply houses. They're all making money. What are you going to do with that money? It's about the banks. Every one of those businesses needs printed goods. So you also have the printers, all of these industries that started in New York. It's all about the seaport. And it's about connections because everything that came in here came in from somewhere. So we are connected to all of the goods from all over the world. And we are connected to the people 
the people who made those goods, the people who transported those goods, the people who use the goods, the people who are working in the businesses that move the goods. It's all about connections. Yeah. Fun. Absolutely wonderful. What, what a fantastic picture and that's you know, an incredible description of, of both. I think it, it, will, it certainly gives me and I'm sure people listening, listening to you will get a real flavor of this incredible focus, a hub, a connecting place, but also exactly what you're saying. There's just this myriad, this amazing supply chain around, around the activities here. And I think, I think you just, if I may, just, just, just zoom in more specifically because the, the South Street Seaport District which is this amazing historic district with, a, with quite a lot of, of very well-preserved um, buildings and streetscapes. And it's, just, it's incredibly evocative. It's a, it, it really, yeah, just tell me a little bit more about the, the different components that make up the museum, but also this, this district and how crucial this split site resource is in relation to this district. So one thing to know about the district is that we almost lost it. Okay. Because, okay, to you it's not old. To you, the, you, know, you go down to the pub and that pub was built in 1500. For us, this is old. These buildings were built uh, in the early 1800s. For us, that's old. And, um, but the district changed over time. I mean, it used to be a center of commerce. Uh, then, for example, after the Brooklyn Bridge was built, the ferry, the, the ferry business went downhill a little bit and the center of commuter life, it moved just a little bit uptown and this district became more seedy, you know, more salary. Um, and all through the history of New York, the motion was uptown. And as this district, you know, by the, the by the 1950s, it was a it was a boarded up hulk. You know, the, whole, the whole district was uh, was kind of nasty and unpleasant. And um, New York City has never been about preservation. New York City is about building and creating. And you now you have a little store and a little office, and so you make a lot of money. What do you do? You tear down your little office and your little store, and you build a big one. So at that time, in the 50s and 60s, New York was just tearing things down right and left. Um, and the, the preservation moment started when, um, when the old Penn Station, the magnificent train station on the west side, pretty much the minute the wrecking balls stopped moving, people looked around and said, oh my gosh, what have we done? That's when the preservation moment started in New York, and they started looking around and realizing that we need to preserve our old spaces. So there was a movement of citizens and preservations at the time that looked at this district and said, this needs to be preserved, and uh, renovated the buildings, tore off the ugly fronts of things, and discovered that there were treasures underneath, um, and, uh, and, and tried to bring the the neighborhood back. It's always been a challenge because uh, tall buildings make more money than short buildings and there's always a struggle to preserve the character of a neighborhood while also making sure that it's economically viable. Um, and that, that struggle 
goes on. It's always been a living district. It's always been a commercial district. This, uh, it's, um, and it still is. The, the nature of the commerce has changed a little bit. But if you're down here at the waterfront where the buildings top out at five or six stories because they didn't have elevators in those days and you look up and you see the glass towers of the financial district just a couple of blocks away, they're here for a reason. They are here connected to the historic district. We're, we're where the money started. Yeah, oh, it's, it's wonderful. And there are, with our return journey, I don't want to quite take you off, off, off track quite yet, but it's very interesting. It's, it's another version of, of some of the, uh, the conversations around Central Park itself. And it's kind of, you know, this, there was this space that's been defended. You know, it's sort of got, I've heard, you know, seen descriptions about the, you know, the, 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 um, the, the, the very tall buildings all around Central Park mm -hmm. sort of ready to, to raid it, you know, but held, held at bay. And right. I think what you've got here is, again, a, a fabulous enclave of something that's very different to and, and, and has been lost certainly on this scale. Um, but you, you also do need to think about what was here before. I yeah. mean, what was there before Central Park? There were um, free African-American communities that were destroyed to build Central Park. Yeah. What was here before? Well, this was, this was Lenape hunting and fishing territory. Right, right. That's interesting. And you, yes, that's, so I think um, maybe, if, if I may, you did, you did talk about indigenous yeah, communities. So ju just take, I know we're, we're zooming around on the time that's frame okay. here, but I think that's really important because the pre-Dutch phase mm -hmm. and, and pre-this pre this kind of development, just just give me a little, little picture of what, what was here. So this was a, a Lenape hunting and fishing territory. Uh, the, there were a number of settlements in Manhattan. Um, I don't remember where the where the furthest south permanent-ish village was, but there were there were Lenape villages scattered around. Right. Yeah, very interesting, and I think it, it is important not to forget that, isn't it? And very, yeah, it's and, easy to. And the other community that is important to remember is the enslaved population yeah. in New York City at the time of the American Revolution. New York City had more enslaved people than any town except for Charleston wow. in the South. And people don't think about that. But in fact, uh, there were lots and lots of enslaved people here. Um, the, the Dutch weren't doing slave trading directly, but the British were, and the British encouraged the slave trade. Uh, and uh, there, was, there was a slave market just a couple of blocks from here. There also was a substantial free African-American community. Um, and uh, there was a, there were parts of the city which were sort of preserved for, for enslaved and for free blacks. And there's one. Yeah. No, that's, that's, but that's fascinating. And I think that's also our, our next stop with the, with the, with the tile trail as uh, is Liverpool, of course. You know, mm. In effect, a sister port at the time, another world port, and absolutely massive hub as well in a different but similar way to uh, to the port of New York. And I think what's fascinating there, there's some very, you know, of course, there's absolutely parallel histories there that still to this day, you know, I think it's uh, yeah, it is being unpacked and it is being explored, and those very real issues are 
are starting to, to become more part of, the, of our general consciousness. But it's, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be very interesting to get some parallel conversations in Liverpool sure. about that shared yeah. history. Yeah. And uh, so just if I may then, just going back to the specifics of the Seaport Museum. Yes. So just tell me, just, just give me an idea of those, the, the individual kind of uh, amazing elements that make up the museum. So at the Seaport Museum, we are a campus rather than just one building. Yeah. And it is a, a campus that includes 50,000 artifacts. Some of them as small as a postage stamp and some of them as large as a cargo ship. We have a fleet of ships that help tell the story of New York City, including the tall ship Wavertree, which was 1885 iron-hulled, three-masted, uh, full-rigged ship of the sort that this, the, the docks here used to be lined with ships like this, gazillions of ships like this. It was called the Street of Ships, in fact. At that time, the tallest building in town, there were a couple of church steeples. And those church steeples were the only things that were taller than the masts. Wow. Yeah. So it really looked like a forest of, of, of masts. Yeah. We also have the, we have the lightship Ambrose, which was built to be a floating lighthouse to mark the entrance to New York Harbor. And we think about the Statue of Liberty as being the, the welcome point. That's not true. Actually, it was the lightship Ambrose. That is where New York City begins. Okay. And that is the ship that whose light welcomed immigrants. We also have a, two schooners. The schooner Pioneer was uh, 1885 iron hulled, um, and that one we take out every day with students and with the public. We also have a wooden schooner, the Lady G. Howard. She's currently in Lake Erie. And we have a tugboat, W.O. Decker, which was the last wooden tugboat built in New York City that is still here and that also was available for public exploration and uh, is the cutest little tugboat you ever did see. Fabulous. In addition to that we have uh, a whole suite of print shops because as I said the printing industry was central to the development of the Port of New York um, and so this working print shop includes artifacts, original printing material which is part of a working collection because our printers print on this stuff every day. Uh, and as I said, we have a gazillion artifacts, library materials, archives, ships, plans, records, all sorts of things, and uh, a fascinating, fascinating collection. I never want to leave. There's too much. There's too much to, to even dip into in, uh, in, in, in the very, very short time I have, sadly. But I have to. Uh, I must return. So just uh, that's it's wonderful. You said so many amazing things, and you painted a wonderful picture. Of, um, of, of really the, the resource this is today and, and the amazing district that people can experience today. And then the kind of, yeah, I think you've, you've already given some just, you know, wonderful, there's so many kind of uh, little pearls really, you know, Pearl Street pearls. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, but it's kind of, you know, you took about the Wavertree, you know, Wavertree is a, you know, a district of Liverpool. Exactly. So, you know, all these lovely little kind of, you know, somewhat tangential uh, connections. But if I may, can just, we've talked um, at, at some length about the, the Our Beth project and mm -hmm. the tiles, the Minton tiles that were made in Stoke-on-Trent and this journey um, of, you know, from Central Park back to, to, to the birthplace where they were made. Um, but 
just they, they were imported here you know which, for me it's it's a it's a it's really exciting to kind of bring those tiles back to the place that they came in on one of those clippers that you're describing so well on that kind of street of ships um, 1865 to 1867 are the, are the production and, and the batches that were coming in over the, that two-year period, o overseen by this import agent that was on Pearl Street, 279 Pearl Street, Miller and Coates. So they were overseeing, of course, the, the, I think the piers at, 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 uh, at Pecklip, uh, which we know were synonymous with the packet lines, particularly from from coming over from Liverpool across the Atlantic. Mm. So just in in more general terms, just get just you've done an, a, an amazing job of, of painting a picture of, of what this the history of this place and what this place has been about but just if, if around that time we, we're talking just before the Brooklyn Bridge was actually built sure. um, so just give me a, a, anything more specific around that time what what would those silent witnesses these tiles kind of have, uh, have, have experienced it would have been very busy busy with merchants busy with carters busy with commuters because this was the, the before the Brooklyn Bridge was built there was a lot of ferry traffic back and forth between Brooklyn um, with commuters but even though the transatlantic ships were largely sail there was a lot of steamer traffic as well so there would have been steamers going to Albany, steamers going to Hartford, steamers going to Philadelphia. So the harbor was full of big sailboats that were crossing the ocean, small schooners that were going up the rivers and up and down the coasts, um, steamers that were carrying voyagers you know, along the coast, um, barges that were going to be heading up the River. The Erie Canal was built in the 20s, and even though that was replaced by rail 20 years later, there was still barge traffic going up the river. So all the people who were involved in these industries, they were all scurrying around the district, shoppers, because you're, you're on your way home, you stop and do your grocery shopping. Right. Oyster sellers, there were street-side oyster sellers the way we now have street-side hot dog vans. Um, merchants, printers, bankers, um, horses, because there was a lot of the things were being delivered by wagon or by the early railroads were being pulled by horses. So depending on the weather, it could you could have be you could be ankle deep in horse poop. Um, <laughs> if it were hot and dry, then the horse poop would have dried up, and the air would be thick with the dust wow. of dried straw and dried horse poop. Wow. There'd be the smell of tar. There would be the smell of rope. There would be the smell of tea and spices from the merchants. There would be the sound of hawkers. There would be the sound of ships. There would be the sound of stevedores cursing at each other, probably, as, they, uh, as they're trying to get people out of their way while they're pushing their loads. It would have been a very busy place. Oh, Laura, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in 1865. That is absolutely wonderful. And um, 
I think it's probably a really nice place to just say thank you so much for giving us that amazing picture. You've, it, it's superb. You've given us so many nuggets, but um, kind of, uh, you know, I, I can see it. I can smell it. I can almost taste it. And then I think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful site and place. And this resource, the museum, the South Street Seaport Museum, is just absolutely at the heart, you know, of, of what's going on here now, today. And people listening, if you haven't been, come and, come and visit and, and, and for sure sort of uh, come and take in the, the museum and give yourself plenty of time because there's a lot of stuff as Laura's been describing. Laura, thank you so much for making time for me. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's a wonderful project you're doing. Thank you. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to keep the connections and see how we might you know, take this forward in different ways. And we were talking about you linking up over here with people like the Conservancy, but we're over to Liverpool and the Maritime Museum and the amazing um, resources, cultural resources over in, in that port city. And I know people are very excited about connecting these conversations. And for me, in terms of my Stoke-on-Trent sort of flag waving, um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely a crucial part of the, the reason why my city contributed a small part um, of, of the cultural offer of this amazing, amazing city. And that's something I think the community back home are very, very proud of. So thank you again for um, a wonderful, wonderful kind of painted, painted picture um, of this area and, and make, again, making time. And I hope we can continue to connect and, and, and make next steps. Thank you. Thank you very much, Laura.